It really is um, good to see you on a warm summer Sunday like this. It's kind of time for refreshments, is it not? When I use that word refreshment, we tend to think of kind of a break, maybe in the middle of the day, maybe a dessert, some light serving, maybe just a glass of lemonade. Whatever we kind of do to help us get over that hump and get some refreshment, find new strength, if you will. I think tiredness is one of these things that I can talk about and I know everyone knows something about it. I doubt anyone can say I never been tired. You can be tired in all different kinds of ways. You can be tired just because you have worked very hard. You can be tired because you have slept too little. You can be tired because you have overexerted yourself. You can be tired because something is bothering you. Tired because you lack challenges. Tired because you think the daily humdrum has just become way too monotonous. You're tired because your resources seem to have come to an end. You have nothing more to give, it can feel like. The question is not really, have you ever been tired? The real question is, where do you find rest for that kind of tiredness? How can you refresh yourself, so to speak? Be liberated from tiredness. In other words, where do you find the right kind of refreshment? And you know good and well that not only can individuals be tired, whole communities can be tired. It comes to expression in so many ways that things just become humdrum. There's some kind of lack of creative spirit. We're just kind of tired. And when we talk about tiredness in the true sense of that word, we're not talking about that kind of healthy tiredness that simply comes from a good day of labor and the only true refreshment that is found for that is that you lay down and you take either a long nap or a good night's sleep. That's the remedy, the refreshment from just the healthy kind of tiredness from that. The tiredness, though, that I want to talk about this morning that is most common, I think, around. We understand the other one, but, but here is, it is completely independent of physical labor. It has its origin in the fact that life, for some reason or another, had become heavy. It is as if, if you will, 
There's just a heavy burden, a cloud hanging over everything. And no matter how much you sleep, no matter how much you rest, you're just as tired. You're just, just as tired. And we live in a generation, friends, and I think we all know where this has become, if not normal, certainly not uncommon. What is this? How do we find refreshment or rest from that? In a time when we know that stress and hurry is tiring people like never before and all kinds of level, the text we're going to read together now in Luke chapter 6 is about as current and as important as ever. Where do we find a refreshing freedom from this kind of tiring thraldom that life only too often seemed to present us with? Maybe I should even ask this. Are you tired? Not so much this morning but just in this time. We, lead, we lose our sense of purpose. We lose our sense of excitement. We find it difficult to be truly excited about life. We can't seem to find that moment where we're eager for tomorrow. If you seem to remember a time when life had more colors than it seems to have these days, listen to this text from Luke chapter 6. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields and his disciples began to pick some heads of grains, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. Some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Jesus answered, have you never heard or read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to him, the son of man is Lord of the Sabbath. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue and was teaching, and a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, get up and stand in front of everyone. So he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy it? He looked around at, at them all and, and then said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so, and his hand was completely restored. But they were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do. 
to Jesus. The more astute among you have realized that I have been in, in Luke chapter 6 for the last few Sundays, and, and now I decide to go back to the very beginning of that chapter. The very setting that is, that is, uh, that is here is that Jesus is talking to Pharisees at first and then teaching the disciples at the same time. Some kind of conflict was there between the disciples, I mean between Jesus and the Pharisees. The Pharisees who have become people who are living a life that was bound by rules, if you will. And he's offering a teaching that would give them freedom. Free them from their thraldom to the kind of patterns that have become theirs. And the teaching was so radical, so powerful, so different that it was more than they could take, really. And so the Pharisees did not receive what he offered them. Question is, will you this morning? Will you? I'm sure that many of you have read this story many times as, as I have without necessarily realizing how significant this is. Not only is it central to the whole gospel of Luke, but it is central to the Christian life. It's a teaching about worship. And so we call this message refreshed by worship. The Sabbath pretty obviously so, was one of the great points of conflict between Jesus and the Pharisees. Far beyond just being the day where God rested after creation, the Sabbath was the actual heart of people's relationship with God and, for that matter, with God's relationship to people. The Sabbath was there to make visible God's presence among his people. This is no small matter. It was on the Sabbath that God was worshipped. It was on the Sabbath that there was praise being sung in the synagogues. It was on the Sabbath that the holy scrolls were rolled up and the word of God was read. It was on the Sabbath that God was speaking to his people through his word. It was on the Sabbath that they found the necessary rest from all the labor all during the whole week and to find the time to seek God and spend time with him and listen to what he may say to them about his purpose and his will for their lives. And what was even more important, it was on the Sabbath that God himself visited in a special way as they understood it. He had made 
the Sabbath. God had created. He had planted as a time of worship for those who were called by his name. In fact, it was so central, it had become part of the created order to celebrate the Sabbath was to participate in the very rhythm of God. Let's not miss the power of this from God's word. So let me say this, friends. We are, when we deal with Sabbath, at the very heart of the Christian life. To participate in the true Sabbath, in the true rest of God, if you will, is to experience refreshment, refreshing rest, the kind of rest that will do away with that tiring thraldom that so often characterizes our generation and our time. There's some powerful statements in this text that, that just rise to the level of being straight out pronouncement by Jesus that I am God. When he says, I am master or Lord over or of the Sabbath, it is the same as to say that he has the authority to refresh every human being from their tiredness. That's it, friends. Both your human and your social and your spiritual tiredness. That the Son of Man is Lord over the Sabbath, which is instituted by God himself, means that he is mighty to grant what only God can grant. Jesus is placing himself on God's throne from where God runs the world. And he grants from there refreshment, rest to his people. Friends, we need to hear this. We really, really need to hear this. I pray to God that he will give me strength to say this in such a way that this is not just an ear thing. You know, my, my dad sometimes when he said something important, he said, Brevin, hold your hand to the one ear because I don't want it to run right through. <laughs> we need to hear it. Truly. What kind of rest is he talking about? Well, first notice the effect. And I want you to see this. The effect of what Jesus is offering, that, that hunger is satisfied and, and what is paralyzed and shriveled up finds healing and new life. Here, like everywhere else, Jesus 
relates to real life. He's talking about things that matters to life. He is not just leaving it in the theory like some of the Pharisees would like to do and so many of even people in the 21st century love to do. Let's just talk about these things in theory. Jesus deals with real life. He knows we need to hear this for our daily lives. What he says is so foundational. It's like foundational building blocks. And they're so different and so unusual from normal living like we do when we live kind of without the Lord that some people never have them replaced. Building blocks that brings a different kind of peace and rest. Sabbath in the word itself means rest, really. And God's word speaks about three different kinds of Sabbaths. I think most of us will know that once I start speaking about it, you see, yeah, I kind of heard that before. One, of course, is the creational Sabbath. Well, the Sabbath that was part of the very creation itself, we have already referred to that. That is the rest that God placed into the very flow of creation from the beginning. That every day you're thinking about, I live this, and it's part of the rhythm in which I need this time to reflect and to rest and to think and have a special kind of contemplation, if you will, on who God is, who I am, and how that all relates to my purpose as God has created me. What does he want me to be? Or who does he want me to be? And what does he desire for my life? Every seventh day, as we read it in that creation story, and we think about rest as a physical necessity to handle the other six days with all that they bring our way. In the biblical thought world, there's a principal connection, if you will, between the teaching of the Sabbath and the teaching of the tithing or the offering that we give to the Lord. As it goes, all the time that we have is ours. The Lord has given us whatever time we have is ours and he's asking, can I get a seventh back for you to express to yourself and everyone around you to, for you to know that you depend on me. You can't handle life without me. And giving me that time back to read my word, to reflect on who I am, to think about my will for your life. The same way with the tithe, you see, everything that you own, all that you have is yours. Who in the world else should it be? It's yours. And he's saying, could you, 
Express your dependency on me by giving back a tenth to let yourself and everyone realize that what you have is due to every gift and every ounce of energy and every opportunity and whatever has come your way, it's a gift from God. Sabbath and the expression of that matters. I find people sometimes say, I'm too tired to worship. And others say, I'm too poor to tithe. I'm turning it around and say, I'm too tired not to worship. I'm too poor not to tithe. I need to express and to realize what comes from expressing my dependence upon God at all levels. But this kind of creational, if I can call it that creational Sabbath, is only scraping the surface of what true Sabbath rest is all about. Christian Sabbath if your will is the daily experience of rest that is offered to those who place their lives in the hands of Jesus. That's what is expressed with all clarity. If you take any notes, write this down in Hebrews chapter 4. I'm going to come back to that a couple of times. Hebrews 4. It's also what Jesus offers to each and every one when he says, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden or burdened, and I will give you rest. That's also what he talks about when he meets this very diligent woman who is a little bit irritated that her sister is just kind of sitting and listening to Jesus while she's working hard everywhere. And Jesus says to Martha, Mary chose the better deal. But what really does it mean to step into God's rest? Well, the prophet Isaiah gives us a hint He says in chapter 66, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house you will build for me? Where is the resting place going to be? Friends, God's resting place will be no specific place on earth, but it is experienced in human hearts when they become the temple of God. In human hearts, when God rests in them. Again, the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, if you will, is quite clear at this point. Joshua can't give you rest. Joshua could teach them to celebrate the Sabbath. But God's rest reaches far beyond just Celebrating something every seventh day. Notice what it says 
in Genesis 1 when he finishes creation. And God saw that all he had made was very good. And it was evening. And then it was morning. And then on the seventh day when God had finished the work, he blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested. He blessed it and made it holy. Blessing and rest comes when people gather to celebrate that God is on the throne. If you read the Genesis narrative of creation, you will see that that whole thing God works and he places himself on the throne and is there to be worshipped. If you read, you read the book of Revelation, the other end of scripture, if you will, and Sunday night we're covering that, right? Last Sunday night, some of you were here, most of you were here, right? With 380 people Sunday night, I hope we will have even more tonight kind of covering that whole story, the biblical narrative from beginning to end. I just talked about the beginning here a little bit. In the other end of Scripture, we call the book of Revelation, it talks about the end, and it says that in front of God's throne, there's a sea of glass, if you will, water clear as crystal. And the sea, you know that, that is... Like glass is a sea in which there's total rest, absolute peace. That's exactly what happens also when Jesus is stilling the storm on the lake. He is rebuking the winds and the waves, and it says it became completely calm. Question is, friends, have you experienced that in your life? You can. That's the promise. In fact, it happened to the disciples even as they were gathered. Now, some people are still saying, why is this? whole thing about rest so important it is because it touches all and everything in life when people talk about peace and quiet and what they really think is they just want away from noise and that's about all they think about I would say that is a fringe benefit from true peace that you sleep at night from when you lay down your, your head on the pillow till you get up that's a fringe benefit from true peace. Everyone, everything is wrapped up in this inner peace and inner rest relates to everything in life. It's about your trust in God. It's about your trust in yourself. It's about your trust in your, your fellow human beings. It's about peace in your own heart, about peace with those that you, you find yourself surrounded by. It's about your own inferiority complexes, even if you will. 
lack of peace, distrust, inferiority complex, all that goes in that same drawer, all have their roots in the fact that they have not found rest in Christ. In him, you can be filled with trust. You can trust him. You feel safe. He trusts you. He loves you regardless of who you are. He's the one who says, come unto me and I will give you rest. Your inner being can be like this glassy sea, if you will, on a beautiful summer day. Is that not what you want, really? Is it not? This, friends, is the central event, really, of the Christian life. When you start thinking about it, you sink your roots into this, and everything else kind of falls into place. And if you don't know what it is, you have not experienced the fullness of what it is that Christ offers. Again, that book of Hebrews, that section in chapter 4 is so powerful, puts it straight up when he says, they, they who don't know my ways shall never in, enter into my rest. That's a direct correlation. And that speaks to us as individuals, it speaks to us as a community. Imagine that that would be the reality that everybody realized and spoke about, that that community called the First Baptist Church of Nacogdoches is a place where people find refreshing rest in their souls, in their heart, indeed their whole life. Learn from me, Jesus says, and you will find rest for your souls. The third and last thing I, I, I want to just mention here related to this is to talk about eternal Sabbath rest. Far beyond the somewhat superficial, just relaxation type rest, and even beyond the kind of rest, the daily refreshing, tiredness removing rest that you experience when Jesus is allowed to penetrate and saturate your life with his presence. There is a promise that one day this rest shall be complete. It is already here, just not in full. When that one who says, I've gone away to prepare a place for you, when he comes back and gathers you around himself along with those who belong to him, then that refreshment, that rest shall be complete. If you look in the text again, that last verse, 
of the Pharisees' statement is stirring, to say the least. Amazing in many ways, if not riveting even for us. Notice that last thing. And they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. What might you do to Jesus? Your chance is right here. It's right now. Do you need refreshment for your life and your soul? It can happen right here. It doesn't happen automatically. But it does happen when your heart becomes a sanctuary for his presence. I probably should go on for quite a while longer to keep explaining, but I'll save you from this and spare you for that. May it be better that you spend a minute on your own, just dealing with the Lord. You know better than anyone how this needs to ring through to the innermost being of your heart. Spend a minute or two and then we'll sing a song. However you need to respond, talk to God. He listens.